uh, it's always kind of one of those wake-up calls. We should start here because our character should be that of what? Humility, remember? And patience and, and love towards one another. That's, that's so important, gentleness towards one another. And if we don't start there, we really kind of miss the rest of what's to come because we usually do it in pride or in ego or in just obligation. And, and we should not be operating in that way within our lives, like within our relationships in our lives or our relationships within the body of Christ. It should be a pure desire to humble ourselves to one another, uh, love each other deeply in gentleness and with patience. And patience, we know, is long-suffering or suffering long. Then we looked at uh, the family of God and its unity, how, how and what we're united in. We looked at the focus of the family of God in week three, looking at that we have one Lord, one Spirit, one faith, uh, one baptism. We looked at that, that God is supreme and that He is our focus. Then we looked at its work, the family of God's work, and that we are all uh, here to play a part and a role. And I, that was a week we had you fill out all the, uh, the care cards, and we, we've computed those in our, our database now, so you'll probably be getting emails or texts or updates, uh, requests, phone calls, asking you to participate, or when a need comes up, you can, you can meet that need as it comes up. Uh, I was gone for a couple of Sundays. Uh, one was when Alistair came and, and brought uh, about the family of God, its breadth and its depth, that, uh, that it, it is, there's no one out of reach of the mercy of Jesus Christ that it is for all who would come to believe. And then Hoyt last week took us on a journey to examine our hearts, right? That, that can be a tough thing to do. Uh, examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. And we looked at the family of God's salvation. It's salvation. And that it is only uh, by grace through faith in Christ alone. And that we were to examine ourselves. So sometimes I think we, we may sit here in a, in a pew and take up room and think we are part of the family of God and we're not. Uh, on the contrary, we may come as very much a part of the family of God, but not just sitting there and, and not really participating alongside uh, one another. So we'll look at that a little more in depth. Today, we look at its growth, the family of God and its growth. How do we grow? What does it look like to grow and to mature? We are not to stagnate. We are not to stay immature. You think about things in our life, there are, there are certainly those things in our home that maybe we inherited that we put on a shelf somewhere, and once a year we kind of wipe the dust off of it, right? We never really... Take, take another look at it or enhance it or make it better, right? I get it. There's those things. But when we talk about the vibrant, living, breathing body of Christ, it is like uh, a daily use thing, like a vehicle, right? And even if you have a vehicle, like, like most of us have a vehicle for uh, 5, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, whatever it might be, and then we replace it with something newer or better or upgraded. Typically, right? We don't always go backwards. But if we do, it's kind of maybe fun. We go get an older vehicle. But even then, when something wears out, I remember my old Chevy truck, you know, you had the, the crank handles on it where you roll down the windows. Those things notoriously fell off. I didn't just leave it that way. I, I needed it to be better, and I went and bought a new one and installed a new part, right? And, and your seat cushions may wear out a little bit, and so you, put, you protect them, hopefully, maybe with a seat cover. If not, you have to replace the cushion or have it redone so that it, the, the foam isn't falling out everywhere. I know, I know, you're like, that's not me. I just let my car fall apart. Okay, you let your car fall apart. That's too bad. Your car's falling apart. That analogy still works. We don't want the family of God to be falling apart. Amen? We want us to be growing and, and not becoming immature and incomplete. We want us to not stagnate. The same is true of our homes. right? If you let your home become dilapidated, it will fall apart. So when it gets, needs to get painted again, we paint it. When the siding needs to be replaced because it's rotting, you replace the siding, when carpet gets worn out, you replace the carpet. You make sure things are, are fixed when they're broken. They're not leaking and appliances work. And, and we continue to renew and restore and make it better. Now, we can all, always go way beyond that and 
go in excess, but I think we get the point that we are to restore and to move it out of stagnation and towards maturity and completeness and fullness that would work for us, and that's the same as the body of Christ. We need to grow. We need to mature. So what does that look like? I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 11 through 16. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your great love for us. As we have come today, we, we have come hopefully not to occupy a space during a meeting for a club, but God, we've come because we have been touched by the Most High God. We've been, we've been saved by Jesus Christ through faith in Him, and God, that you have set us free. We were the captives, and you freed us from that. We were the thirsty, and you, you gave us a drink. We were the hungry, and you filled us with food. God, we thank you that through faith in Christ, we can be restored in relationship to God the Father. We thank you that you have given us through faith a righteousness that does not belong to us other than you have given it and imputed it to us through faith. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. God, we are here today because you are so good and so glorious. And we want to learn from you and we want to grow in you. We want to mature and be complete as the family of God. We pray you'd be with us. You'd open our hearts and our minds to be receptive. That you convict us by the power of your spirit. You'd move us to a place of obedient, repentant faith in Jesus Christ. And it's in his glorious name we pray. All right, we're in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read, I'm going to back up a little bit in verse 11, and I'll read through 16. And he himself, that is the Lord Jesus, gave some to be apostles and prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching or by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. From Him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. This is the Word of God. So we look at today, the family of God, we look at its growth, and we'll look at three different points like we typically do every Sunday uh, regarding its growth. You can follow along with the sermon notes if you'd like to that were stuffed inside your tiny bulletin, right? It's so cute. Pull those out and follow along. The verses are there as well. You don't need to look them up or keep up with me, but uh, they are there for your uh, benefit later on. We look at the growth. Number one, if we look at uh, the family of God and its growth, it should be built up to maturity. The family of God and its growth should be built up to maturity, right? We should be progressing forward. Think about this in life, right? When, when we grew up, when we were kids, like if we had a mom or dad that didn't teach us how to grow up and how to, how to actually, hey, this is how you wash the dishes. This is how you actually cook something on the stove. I mean, I remember that, that being frightening for me as a dad when I approached my daughter, right? And I said, okay, Bailey, come on. You, it's your turn. She wanted to learn how to cook. So it's like, well, this is hot and you're going to burn yourself. I just knew it, right? But what was my job? To teach her and to help her grow so she could become more mature in that. And, and probably along the way, there are bumps and bruises, but my kids are starting to understand and know things that they should know as they grow in maturity and in their maturity in Christ as well. 
And the same is true for you and I. When we come to faith in Christ, sometimes we treat it like, oh, I'm done. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good where I'm at. Because like, I don't want to leave you like that. I want to, I want to continue to work in you and, and finish the good work that I started. And I'm going to finish it to completion. And he starts to produce a fruit in us, and he wants us to grow into maturity. So we shouldn't just stay little children or little babies in our faith. I think for so often in my life, I've found times where I look around, I'm like, man, I, I am, or I look at myself in the mirror, I'm just like, I'm just being a baby right now. I'm not maturing. I'm not, I, I need to grow up here. I need to think differently about this. I need to, to, I have some rough edges to polish. Anyone has some rough edges that need polishing? I'm glad I'm not alone in that, right? Yeah, more than one. Lots of rough edges. We need to grow up and, and we need to be built up into maturity. So we look at our text there in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. It says that we're to, to equip the saints. This is, he gave us, I talked about this when it's work. He gave us apostles and prophets and evangelists, people, leadership, people called to these positions in order to equip the saints. And the saints are all of us in the body and family of God. So he, he gave us uh, those to equip the saints for work in ministry to build up the body of Christ. So our goal as saints in the body of Christ is to be equipped, be given opportunities where we can be built up, and so we then would build up the body of Christ together until what? We reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. We grow up. In 1 Peter it says, like newborn infants desire pure milk of the word so that by it you might grow up in your salvation, right? We should start on the pure milk of the word of God. Infants need that. That's, that's important for them. And as we grow, eventually, Paul would exhort later on, stop drinking milk and go on to what? Solid food. Like get some meat and potatoes and, and its source should be the word of God. It should be the Lord Jesus himself. We saw, as uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, he says you're going to grow into maturity, and the stature is measured by what? Christ's fullness. Right? So you don't get to make the measurement up. You don't get to say, well, this is what's mature. I don't get to tell you what's mature. The Word of God tells us what's mature. And the, and the measure is measured by Christ's fullness. So that's where we should go. And what's great about that is then I don't have one standard, and you don't have another standard, and you don't get another standard we're all on the same standard. It's Christ's fullness that we're, we're attaining to. We want to grow in Him, and He becomes the source. Our source is Jesus. Our source is God's Word. So don't settle for something less than Christ's fullness. There actually is no substitute. I want you to think about that sometimes. You know, it's one of my pet peeves. And uh, you think about like foods that people come up with. And someone says, oh man, I've got a really good idea for a hamburger. Okay, I love a hamburger. What's your idea? Take away the burger and put a mushroom on it. Whoa, okay. Like, I, I get that. Maybe you don't like meat, I'm, I, and I'm not putting you down. Have the mushroom burger. But don't, pre, don't tell me to pretend it's a burger. Right? There is no substitute, in my mind, to a hamburger. I, I'm, if I'm eating a mushroom burger, I like mushrooms on my hamburger, not just as my hamburger right? Or we come up with a new flour or a new milk of some sort. And I, okay, I get that to each their own. But if you like the one thing, like don't make someone else come in and or let someone else come in and substitute something different. The same is true with our faith in Christ, right? The fullness is Jesus' fullness. Don't let's stop substituting other things in place of Jesus. 
Are you involved in what nourishes your faith? Are you going to the source that is God's word and Christ's fullness? Are you being built up into maturity? Verse 13 tells us there, it says, we, we do this, we build up the body of Christ until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. So our maturity as we grow produces a unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. We should be growing, and as we grow together from Christ's fullness, we're more united because we came from Christ's fullness. There's more unity that we share. You know, see sermon number two, if you want to go back to that. We share unity, but we also know that we, we share it in the knowledge of God's Son. We grow in the knowledge of God's Son. And it's, it's stated in Scripture who God is and, and what He's done for us. And so we go there as our source and we learn and grow in the knowledge of God's Son. And, and one of the things I really want us to make sure we understand as we grow uh, into maturity, it's so easy for me, and it's, it's been really easy lately because of everything going on in the world, right? We see the, the Middle East and what's going on there. And a lot of podcasts I'm listening to and some pastors are kind of switching gears from just Scripture to like, okay, well, let's talk about these almost like Biblically doc, or doctrine uh, conspiracy theories. Like, let's, let's see if we can read something into the text and, and make this fit our own idea. Like, it's kind of fun to debate that once in a while. It's kind of fun to talk about that. But if we go down that rabbit trail too far, what have we missed? What have we missed? Someone say Jesus? The fullness of Jesus? The measure of Jesus' fullness from the Word of God? I, I, I'm... So much, it's so much fun to look at conspiracy theories and like, oh, this could be what this means. or this. And we, we do that in Sunday school class sometimes. We'll bring it up like, oh, this could be what's going on. In fact, today we did that. We were talking about when Paul and John Mark split ways in the book of Acts. We really don't know why, but we spent about 15 minutes talking about it. And it was fun, but we came back to center and said, this is what it means. This is where we, what we hold on to. This is what we can trust in and rest in, right? Because we come back to the fullness of Christ measured by the word of God here. So what is your source right now? Are you like, I'm being built in my faith by listening to a bunch of conspiracy theories and doctrine? Or are you going to the word of God, to the fullness of Christ himself? Paul urges about our unity. He says in 1 Corinthians, Brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I urge you that you all agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. It is so important for us to do that. And I mentioned this when we talk about our unity in the faith, how it's cross-cultural, right? It's cross-continent. You could be in the middle of nowhere in the world and run into someone of faith and be on the same page because it comes from the same God and Father and Lord Jesus Christ. That's so important for us. And that within us, there shouldn't be divisions. And especially, what does it mean? Where should we not be divided? Well, in essential doctrines of the faith. Like we talk about Jesus, Christ being God in the flesh who, who came and died and gave himself and died on a cross for our sins that through the shedding of his blood that you and I, and through his death, burial, and resurrection, you and I could be forgiven of our sin through faith in Christ and we could, we could rise to newness of life because he rose. That because he lives, we live. Listen, that is not up for debate. That is a closed-hand essential doctrine. You and I have to believe that and trust that. The family of God comes together and unites in that. That is so important for us. So our essential doctrines are things we need to be united in. Our common faith. And who is the object of our faith? That's what we unite in. You say, well, I'm, I'm not quite sure about that. 
Let me ask this question. You, you might have those times, come out, I'm not sure about this, I'm not sure about that. When are you going to be? I think, and I say that kind of in a way like, there are things that are open-handed that we may never come to an actual, like, we get it, this side of heaven. And that is okay. But when it comes to essential doctrines, if you spend your life thinking like, well, I'm not quite sure about that, but don't do anything about it, don't seek it out, don't search it, don't research it, don't come up with a conviction based on the fullness of God, when will you? So going back to it, like it, the growth, the, the family of God, its growth is to be built up into maturity. Are you growing? Are you maturing? Paul prayed this fervently. And Colossians says, for this reason, uh, since, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and in spiritual understanding. He was like, I want you to know. I want, I'm praying that you devote yourselves to know the Lord Jesus Christ and know his doctrine so that you might walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. This is what Paul is praying for the church, that we, we would devote ourselves to this, that we'd grow in the knowledge of God. By the way, verse 14 there says, in him, this knowledge of God, right, God, in him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's kind of like this, let me spur you on, right? Remember, remind you who he is that we are learning to grow, to know, and to love. It's the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we have forgiveness and redemption through faith in Jesus Christ. His fullness is the source of our growth and our maturity. So again, the application, are you being built up and maturing in him? Now, I want to pause there for a minute because I think there are times where we, we come up with this idea like, well, no one's really doing that for me. I need a different type of program than what the church is offering. Okay, I, 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 can, I can submit that. Maybe you need something a little more. Come ask for it. Come say, I, I just am not, from what is being presented now, I'm just not getting it. I'm not doing it. It's not, I'm not able to, to be there. I'm not able to, to grow. I'm trying, right? So many of you come and I, I, what, what's a good resource or what's a good study Bible? And we, and we have those and we hand those out. We make opportunities on Wednesday night. We have three different Bible studies happening on Wednesday nights that we grow in our unity and our knowledge of God. Every Sunday morning, that is the goal here, is that you and I would grow in our unity and our knowledge of the, of the Son of God through the Word of God and through our worship time together. That, that we'd be growing in our small groups and the opportunities that are outside of the church during the week, that we would grow. We have, we have booklets in the, in the lobby. We have a library behind those glass doors. We have resources everywhere that we can be growing. So, so yes, there are times where, where others aren't doing their part. But we have to do our part we have to decide, I am going to get mature. I'm going to grow up and do something about it. Number two, we look at the family of God and its growth. As we grow and mature, number two, we become stable and secure. We become stable and secure. The idea of building up our faith and building up our faith is actually like what a construction worker would use in a conversation or a homeowner said, I'd like you to come build me a house. Build it up. We're putting together something, right? And, and, and the goal for us is not just to build something kind of whimsical and, and haphazardly, but to build something on what? A sure and solid foundation. Something that is not going to move. 
It's got to be solid. It's got to be stable. It's got to be secure. He goes on in Ephesians 4, 14. It says, when we grow and are built up, it says, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around. By what? By every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. A couple of things to think about with that passage. That there are actually people out there that are being used by the enemy of God to come at you and to come at me with cleverness in techniques of deceit. Like It's not just like someone had a whimsical idea and thought, oh, this is what I think, and, and we believed it. It's like the enemy is like, I'm going to get crafty here. I'm going I'm to sneak my way in. I'm going to be so, so clever, right? And, and we'll bring all kinds of winds of teaching and human cunning into this. Listen, there are so many fiery darts from the enemy shot at us. There are so many lies that come against us. We must be on guard. We must be maturing in our faith from the fullness of Christ. And we must get to a place where we are stable and secure in that faith. What does that mean for us? What does that look like practically for us in our own, in our own body, in the own family of God? Paul writes in Romans 16, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, watch out for, this is important, right? I urge you to watch out for, keep watch for this. And this is what's important for us. So if we're going to keep watch for it, and he's going to say this is bad, we certainly should not be the ones participating in this. Okay, let's just make that out there. He says this, I watch out for those who would create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you have learned. He says, avoid them. Avoid them. Have you ever, have you ever been in conversation with someone like, like, this person just wants to rile everybody up? This person is never content. This person is just angry or bitter, and they're just stirring the pot. Like, I, for me, I'm like, I've, gotta, I've just got to be away. I've got to avoid that person, right? Now, the, the hope is that exists outside of the family of God. But if we're being honest, we've probably all ourselves given over in some way to creating division within the body of God, right? Should that just be allowed as norm? Not at all. He said, I urge you, don't, don't do that. Watch out for that. Uh, avoid them. Because such people do not serve the Lord Jesus but their own appetites. They deceive the hearts of unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. Now again, mostly this is coming in from the enemy. Uh, but, but as Hoyt pointed out, and I think uh, maybe Alistair did too, that it's even from within our, within our own midst that this happens, that Satan uses us. So I don't want to be used by Satan to create division in you or resentment in you or bitterness in you or anger in you. I don't want to be used by that. And I hope that you don't want to be used for, for that purpose either for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? As we grow, there should be a stability to what's going on. Satan's number one tool that he uses is division. He can divide. Right? Because division separates us. We're no longer one and in unity. It separates us. That's what division does. And it distracts us from the goal and the cause of Christ. And when he does that, he's like, yes, I'm winning. Now, ultimately, he loses. But man, if we succumb to that, if we fall for that, the family of God will lose over and over and over. What family of yours, relational family, blood family in the world, has, has survived in great ways, in deep relational ways, with constant bitterness and anger and resentment towards one another? It doesn't happen. It's like, oh, I've got to go to that event and put up with, oh, man. 
They probably say that about me, right? <laughs> they got to go and see Brandon, that crazy uncle. But it doesn't work. It, it, it doesn't survive. And, and we can't thrive as a family of God if we have that in our midst as well. If we look back at, again, sermon number one, we'd see the character of the family of God is not to be hostile and creating divisions and anger and bitterness. It is to be humble and gentle and patient and loving. Some of us might need to be reminded of this. But that, that's the character of the body of Christ. I know I do at times. And by the way, since we, we had that sermon number one, right, with the character of God, it has come up at least weekly, but probably like every other day in my own conversations with God, my conversations with many of you, not just about you, but about me. I've had to, I've had to think in my, my mind as a husband, in my mind as a father, in my mind as a, a brother in Christ, I need to be that kind of character and not let Satan use me as a tool for division in the body. I want there to be, and God wants there to be stability in our body. So we see that in false teachers as well. Not only is there division within the body that happens, there's, there's people that come and attack. It says in Acts chapter 20, men will rise up even from your own number to distort the truth and to lure disciples into following them. Therefore, what's, what's our goal here? Be alert. And, and, and to see and be alert of what is true and false means we need to have matured, right, and grown in our faith to know what doctrine is. Be alert, remembering that uh, night and day for three years, I never stopped warning each of you with tears. Tears. You know, sometimes I give Alistair a hard time for crying up here. Like, oh, he's going to cry again when he preaches. This is the heart of a pastor. Like, I, I don't cry often at the pulpit, but I definitely cry over you throughout the week. I cry for me. I cry for my family. I, I, I want to urge you with tears, like Paul says here, to be alert be alert and to be ready for what's going to come against us, warning you that Satan is prowling around, wanting to destroy. And then he says, and now I commit you uh, to God and to the word of his grace. What do we do? We, we say, go back to the word, go back to the source of his fullness, which is able to what? Build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. Again, it goes back to maturing, building us up from the word of God. Jesus says this when he he shares this imagery in Matthew 7. He says, anyone who hears these words of mine, this is for us, the church, right? We have the word of God. It's so important for us. Anyone who hears these words of, me, of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who what? Built his house on a rock. The rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like what? A foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. What are we building on? If we're not building on on the Word of God and, and, and measured by the fullness of Jesus Christ, our structure will collapse. Because I guarantee you, the rains are going to fall. The river is going to rise. The winds are going to blow. And you and I are going to get pounded and pounded and pounded. But if we have built ourselves on Jesus Christ, the rock, and have built our, our, our dwelling on a firm foundation, it will stand. 
When we grow and rely on Christ's fullness and His Word, we become stable and secure. And in turn, as we individually do that, the family of God becomes stable and secure. So here's my question for you, for me. Are you stable and secure? I'm not asking, are the winds going at you all the time? Is the rain falling all the time? Is the water always rising? Because that's just what happens. Are you stable and secure? When they pound, are you able to be stable and secure? Are you building on the foundation of Christ and His Word? That's what the family of God is to do in order to be stable and secure. Finally, as the family of God grows, its growth is about being full of grace and truth. That's number three. Being full of grace and truth. That's how we grow. Look at verses 15 and 16 of Ephesians 4. He goes on, and he just said, you're not going to be little children tossed about. Uh, And he says, but speaking the truth in love. This is kind of the counter to that. How are we not children who are tossed about? We hear the truth spoken to us over and over and over. And we go to the source of that truth, God's word and the Son of God as the measure. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. That's how we grow in every way. We speak the truth in love. We, and, and, and this takes relational clout, doesn't it, to come towards one another. Like when we settle in, like, like yes, we're the family of God, and we start becoming humble with one another, and we're gentle, and we're loving and patient, this builds a rapport. That means when I come and say something, it might be hard, but it's, but it's true, and it, but it's done with great love, you're going to be like, I felt good about that. It may, I may not feel good about what I was doing, or, or maybe the confrontation was a little bit something, but I feel loved. I don't feel unseen. I feel loved in this. To speak the truth in love. It says uh, in verse 16, uh, from him, that is Jesus, the whole body. Why do we do this? Why do we speak the truth in love? Why do we, why do we want to grow in this? Because the whole body, uh, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So each of us have a role in that. Each individual part, each one of us who are in part of the body of Christ, are here to be speaking the truth in love and moving towards one another in deep affection for one another, brotherly love and kindness, so that our body would grow, that our health would grow, that we would be more and more stable, more and more secure. It's given through grace and truth. See, every supporting ligament and the proper working of each individual part is what is necessary for the body to thrive. Right? How many of you have torn a ligament before? You're like, my body's not thriving right now. You pull a muscle, right? You have a broken limb. You want there to be fullness there. And this is what Paul is talking about. This is what the Lord Jesus talks about, that there should be a building, a supporting ligaments all properly working and fit together. All too often, we let our frustrations persist among us, though. Instead of going towards one another with love and truth and asking questions. we That's what Satan wants, though, right? Division. So what are we to do? We're to resist pride and Resist sinful anger. We're to resist bitterness and resentment. Resist the devil. Because it is truth and love that builds up. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. Paul says this. This is later on in this chapter we're in. So therefore, putting away all lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor. Because we are members of one another. We belong to one another. Be angry, but do not sin. 
And don't let the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need that it, might give, it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. You see, we can talk about being the family of God, but if it isn't rooted in Christ's fullness, and if it isn't built on the foundation that is Christ, and if it isn't following the example of grace and truth that is Jesus Christ, it is all for naught. You see, it always goes back to Jesus. He is the example, and His fullness is the model that which we should be modeling after. John 1 says this about Jesus and His grace and His truth. And 1, 14 to 17, the Word, that is Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, right? We talked about this. This is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This is the advent where Christ came and put on human flesh in the form of a baby. Speaking of baby Jesus, Christmas week starts next Sunday, right? It's so great. We just finished Thanksgiving and someone said, now you can start Christmas music. And we're like, what are you talking about? Was it wrong for us to be playing that in July? I am so excited for next week. Baby Jesus. Uh, but it's not just about baby Jesus, right? It's about the fact that God humbled himself and put on human flesh in the form of a baby as a rebuke to you and I and our greatest strength ever. And that that baby grew up and taught and, and, and modeled how to live, but ultimately he grew up and, and he went to the cross. He sacrificed himself and died on the cross that I deserved to die on. He died for not his own sin, but my sin and for your sin. He gave himself for us, that through faith in Jesus Christ, we could be forgiven and free. Isn't that amazing? That's what God has done. That's the model he has for us. That he has forgiven us. While we were still sinners, Christ died us. So the Word became flesh and He dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of what grace and truth. John testified concerning him, concerning him, exclaiming, This is the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. This is John the baptizer saying Jesus is bigger and greater. Indeed, we all have received grace upon grace from His fullness. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace upon grace. When we look at the stature measured by Christ's fullness, what was given? Grace upon grace from His fullness. He gave us grace upon grace, and grace was multiplied as we understood the truth of just how far from God we are because of our sin. We see Jesus and he says, I'm here to save you from your sin. And we then see our sin. We know that we have never measured up and we never will outside of faith in Jesus Christ. Only his righteousness is worthy. Ours are as filthy rags. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He died while we were still sinners. He gave us grace. And, and for you and I to grow 
as the family of God, we are to be full of grace and truth as well with one another. We don't hide the fact that sin is sin. We don't not call sin, sin. That's not gracious, right? Graciousness is, that is sin, but God is bigger. That is sin, but he's willing to forgive. That is sin, but God's way is better. And we move towards each other with that. We give one another that kind of grace when we speak the truth in love. Now again, I mentioned this earlier, this takes like a relational commitment to one another. And, and it's really a relational commitment that the world rarely, rarely knows. And this commitment has come through the example of Christ and how he related to us, how he offered himself and how he humbled himself. But it takes being willing, you and I being willing to, to lean into those rough edges we talked about earlier, remember? We all have those rough edges. To lean into those rough edges with the abrasive yet polishing love of God filled with grace and truth. I, I am so grateful for my church family who, who sees that I have rough edges and wants to walk with me and start to help polish those off. Who says, hey, let's look at the Word. What does God's Word say? I, even when I go to the Word on my own, I know I have a rough edge to, to get polished off. My like, God, help me with that. Let me see your truth. Give me grace as I go to the Word so you can polish, polish off those rough, rough edges and I can be more, more in line with what you have taught and who you are. We commit to one another so we might be strengthened and grow in harmony with one another. Uh, one of the last passages, turn with me if you would to Hebrews chapter 10, please. Hebrews chapter 10. I've always read this and thought, oh, it's, yeah, it's important to go to church, right? It's, that's the verse. But it, there's more to it as I've read this and studied this more recently that really makes an impact on, on my personal responsibility relationally to you and hopefully your personal responsibility relationally to me. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 24. We'll look at 24 and 25. Let us watch out for one another to provoke i love that you see that word provoke it's like wait we're gonna watch out by provoking well, what does it mean right it says let us let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching Our children are going to join us back in from children's church now but i want us to look at this passage for a second and how special this passage is. You know, yes, it's like people say, oh, you don't neglect the gathering together. Be, be there. You've got to be there on Sunday morning. But I want us to focus in on, on this word neglect because some of your Bibles say forsake. Do, do you realize and do I realize that when I am absent from the family of God, that I am actually neglecting? That when I am absent from the family of God, that I am actually forsaking you. This is why the, the family of God exists for the building up of one another. It's not that, man, we really needed to make sure your name was on the list and your butt was in a seat on Sunday morning. That's kind of wrongly been the assumption. Like, we make sure you're there. Because here's what I believe. I believe that, that you could miss some church, right, and still not be neglecting the family of God. But I also believe that you could be here every single week and be forsaking one another. 
that you could be neglecting one another, by, even with your very presence. Because you, you may come in a little late and leave early. You may not interact. You may not love and go towards your brothers and sisters. You may not be doing things that build you up and build up the body of Christ. It's so important for us to understand that. That, that, that when we are absent from one another, we are neglecting. We are forsaking one another as well. And, and if we look at that, what, what it was Jesus' model? What was God's model? Isaiah, my final passage, 41, 17 says this. The poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. I will answer them. I am the Lord, the God of Israel. I will not forsake them. Here's the truth of what we know about us. As we gather as the family of God, we are thirsty. We are hungry. We are in need. And and God's model is, I will be there for you. I will not forsake. I will not neglect. I will not abandon. And that model was then given to us that we are not to neglect the gathering together. We are not to neglect one another or forsake one another either. Listen, I I know maybe you're here and you're like, I I have to, I just can't stay because it's so hard, it hurts so bad. Then you are thirsty and you need your brothers and sisters. Maybe you're here like, I just don't want to get into the drama of someone else's life. They need you. They are thirsty and they are hungry and they need you as a brother or sister in Christ. Listen, our devotion to one another has to be in this gathering and in this this unity that we share and in this commitment and covenant with, with and towards each other all week long, all year long. It is so paramount to our faith and to our growth as the body and family of God. I want you to think about how the covenant of Christ to never leave or abandon or neglect or forsake you transfers to the body of Christ and ask, what is my covenant? What does my covenant look like to the rest of the body of Christ? I want to go and invite our worship team to come on back up. And uh, we'll invite those who are serving the Lord's Supper to come up here as well, if you would, please, and stand up front. Uh, Listen, we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper today. And and as we do, I, I hope that you and I can understand a few things. One, that we come to the Lord's table because He is our fullness. And when we come and partake in in the Lord's table, we are saying that He's our everything. There's nothing else that matters. There's nothing else that can save. There's nothing else that that we can benefit from except for Christ. So we come saying, this is the measure of fullness. It's His blood and His body shed for us. And we come and say, at this table, as we partake and remember, this is where we find stability and security. Not in my own life, not in my own standards, not on my own trying to figure it out. It's only in Christ. Only in Christ. And as we come to this table, we, we recognize the grace and truth that's here. The truth that says you and I are sinful and separated from God because of our sin. But the grace of God is full here at this table because He, while we were still sinners, laid down his life and died for us. And because of his fullness of grace and truth, we can now live forgiven and free 
through faith in Jesus Christ. So as we partake, we remember now, we're going to pass out these elements to each other. We're, I'm gonna, we're passing down the aisle. They're double cups, so make sure you take you know, the stack, the two cups, and just hold on to it. If you just hold on to it until everyone's served, we'll come back up and we'll sing a song and just get our hearts prepared and, and, and make it a time of worship and reflection as we sing. And, and you know your chi- the children are here. This is, a, this is a time we bring the children back because this is a part of the family of God. They're a part of the family of God, amen? amen. Our children are part of the family. And as they're here, this is a teachable moment for them. Some of them will partake, some of them won't. Right? You know your children. You know where they are. But, but it's a teachable moment, letting them know, reminding them that this is about the Lord and His sacrifice for our sins. Now, if you're here today and you're like, I, I know I'm not a part of the family. I, I'm just here. I'm watching. Maybe I need to be. I'll figure that out later. That's great. We're glad you're here. Th- this is not meaningful to you in that way. We'd ask that you not partake. If you're not a believer in Christ, you don't have faith in Christ, we'd ask that you not partake. And watch and observe that, that your remembrance would be the reflection of those who are remembering a great sacrifice that Christ has made for them on their behalf. And that he made for you as well that you can take hold of through faith in Christ if you would believe and confess Christ as Savior. What an amazing opportunity we have to reflect on his fullness here now. The stability we have in Christ and his grace and his truth displayed. Amen? Stand with me as we pray. Actually, no, stay seated. There, stay seated. That's easier. Let's, I'll pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace, your mercy. We thank you that we can look to you as our example, that in you is fullness, and that measure is always measured in Christ's fullness, not our own. God, that we can have stability and, and security when we build on the foundation that is Jesus. And God, your grace and truth modeled through your sacrifice on the cross is what we endeavor to show to our brothers and sisters as well. But God, today as we come to your table, as we partake in, in the cup and of the bread, we remember and we reflect our great need for forgiveness and your great provision as you offered yourself willingly on the cross and shed your blood for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name.